You're listening to a Sin Media podcast. Previously heard live on Sin 90.7. You're listening to the weekly wrap on Sin 90.7. And here are today's news headlines. After fighting flames for more than 17 hours, firefighters have brought a toxic Melbourne warehouse fire under control. The West Footscray warehouse fire was thought to be started by recycled canisters of flammable paint and aerosols, with smoke and strong chemical fumes still noticeable around the Footscray area. Watch and act alerts remain in place for 21 nearby suburbs. The Catholic Church will not accept the Royal Commission's recommendation to lift the seal of confession with regard to child sex abuse. They argue it would restrict liberty and not improve child safety. A 47-year-old infertile woman who was an instigator behind the murder of another intellectually impaired woman so she could take the custody of her four children has been jailed for 30 years. A 40-year-old Italian woman who arrived in Melbourne with 1.1 kilograms of cocaine has been sentenced. After 18 months behind bars and a nine-day trial, a county court judge on Thursday ordered the woman to spend 10 years in prison for importing a border-controlled drug. A young dad who shook and killed his 12-week-old daughter while his partner was working is to be sentenced today. The man aged in his 20s was found guilty of child homicide by a Supreme Court jury earlier this month. Scientists from the Royal Women's Hospital and Monash University have captured internal images of premature babies breathing for the first time with the help of the ultrasound. Scientists are hopeful that they can reduce deaths and chronic disease rates by allowing a more accurate diagnosis that can be made within 20 minutes of the premature baby's birth. And global electronics giant Samsung has been grappling with a glitch that left hundreds of people in regional South Australia and parts of Victoria without a working television. The televisions lose signal and turn off after only a few seconds. And in Melbourne today, there are showers and a top of 16 degrees. And now to Sarah with our foreign news. Thanks, Bethany. Australian nun Patricia Fox has again been ordered to leave the Philippines for engaging in political activity. Sister Fox, who has worked with the country's most disadvantaged, denies the charge and says she will appeal against her deportation again. Samoan Prime Minister Tuolepe Sayaleli has criticised politicians at a speech in Sydney for not taking enough action on climate change. Sorry, we did have some audio of the speech there, but we're just having some slight technical difficulties. But basically, he has just said that uh, climate change sceptics are, in his own words, he said they should go to a mental institution. And to the US, where yesterday thousands paid their respects to the late Senator John McCain in a ceremony for the Vietnam War veteran. The Republican senator passed away last Saturday after a battle with brain cancer. And now to Celine for entertainment news. Thanks, Sarah. Aretha Franklin has been honoured in a two-day public viewing in Detroit. The Queen of Soul will be buried today. The man who hacked and leaked nude photos of actress Jennifer Lawrence in 2014 has been sentenced to eight months in federal prison. Rapper Kanye West has apologised for controversial slavery comment he made in an interview with TMZ in early May this year. In what would have been Michael Jackson's 60th birthday on Wednesday, the King of Pop is being honoured with an award for his humanity work. 
Spice Girls singer Malby has revealed her plan to enter rehab after being diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. And back home, in an interview with Who magazine, former Bachelor star Kira Maguire has opened up about why her and Jared Woodgate broke up, revealing they have gotten into they had gotten into many explosive arguments. To sports now. Sydney's Lance Franklin has been named the AFL All-Australian captain for the first time and has become only the fifth player to earn eight selections. Hawthorne's Tom Mitchell has been awarded the AFL Players Most Valuable Player Award for 2018. In some more AFL news, Melbourne's Bernie Vince has announced he is retiring at the end of the AFL season. And now to some sad news. The sister of Collingwood veteran Travis Varco has died following an accidental on-field collision in Adelaide on Sunday. To tennis, Nick Kyrgios's second-round US Open match has caused controversy with an umpire begging him to try harder. And French women's tennis player Alizé Cornet has been handed a code of violation for taking off her shirt on court at the US Open on Wednesday, leading to claims of sexism. More on this later in the show. That's all for news. You're listening to the weekly wrap on Sin 90.7. Now, we certainly had a pretty dramatic week in politics last show, with Scott Morrison being sworn in as our 30th Prime Minister. So, how has our new Prime Minister's first week in office been, Sarah? Well, Bethany, the Prime Minister certainly has had a challenging week. It was never going to be an easy start for the Prime Minister given the anger over the Lib spill. This anger has carried over to the news polls with the latest poll from The Australian showing that the Coalition's two-party preferred vote has dropped by five points. And what is this two-party preferred poll? So our two major political forces are the Coalition and the Labor Party. The two-party preferred poll asks if you could only vote for two of these parties... Uh, which one would you choose? So the latest news poll shows that if there was an election right now, 56% of voters prefer Labor over the coalition. This is the first time in 30 years that a leadership spill has resulted in a drop in numbers in a poll. Normally, post-spill, the new Prime Minister enjoys a surge in popularity. However, voters aren't the only people who have expressed anger over the spill. Politicians have too. I'm intrigued. How so? So, Liberal MP Julia Banks announced on Tuesday night that she will not be recontesting her seat at the next federal election. In a press release, she said last week's events were the last straw and that she has experienced bullying and intimidation from within her own party and the Labor Party. Malcolm Turnbull expressed similar sentiments in his speech last Thursday. He said that the reality is that a minority in the party room have sought to bully, intimidate others into making this change of leadership. And what's the reaction been like? So Liberals have pointed out that there's been no formal complaints about bullying. The president of the Federal Women's Committee and former Senator Helen Kroger said there is no culture of bullying, but that the claims should be investigated. Scott Morrison has sought to unite the party and says he will handle the allegations by reaching out to colleagues in a process of healing. What else has Scott Morrison done in his first week as Prime Minister? So this week, Prime Minister Scott Morrison made it clear that the 
drought crisis is one of his priorities. There was the special envoy on drought, more on that later, and he met with National Drought Coordinator Stephen Day on his first day in office. The big news, of course, in Morrison's first week is who would form his cabinet. Now, obviously, we don't have enough time to go through the entire cabinet, but who are some of the key players? So, new Liberal Deputy Josh Frydenberg is now Treasurer, with Angus Taylor taking over Frydenberg's old portfolio as the new Energy Minister. Maurice Payne has replaced the popular Julie Bishop as Foreign Affairs Minister and Simon Birmingham has moved from education to trade, tourism and investment. The education portfolio will now be handled by Dan Tian. In a surprise to some, Peter Dutton will remain Home Affairs Minister. However, he has lost the immigration portfolio to David Coleman. Former Prime Minister Tony Abbott was made Special Envoy for Indigenous Affairs. He was accused of playing a role in stirring up the party divide last week. And former Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce accepted the role for Special Envoy on drought issues. The creation of these roles was seen as some by an attempt to heal the party's divide. Healing the rift in the Liberal Party certainly seems to be a focus for the Prime Minister. However, we won't know if he's successful until some time has passed or the political infighting simply may continue. Thanks for the update, Sarah. And guys, don't forget to tune into the Weekly Wrap next Friday to see if we still have the same Prime Minister. Guys, as we know, there has been a terrible drought crisis happening throughout Australia, but I just wanted to make everyone aware of the situation happening in the New South Wales Murray Valley right now. Farmers within the New South Wales Murray Valley system have water licences in which they pay fixed fees and charges, whether they get access to water or not. But currently, New South Wales Murray Valley General Security are on 0% water allocation. So basically, they're paying to get a certain amount of water, Mm -hmm. they don't know how much, and they're getting none despite the hardship that they're in. Yeah, and despite considerable amounts of water in the storages that aren't being used, they're actually getting zero allocation still. So as a consequence, our farmers are unable to finish winter crops and they're dying. They're unable to grow fodder for... Um, livestock and they're dying as well. So farmers from the region want the government to look at all possible options on how states can work together to provide an allocation, right? Yeah. So this is one of the latest developments in the drought crisis. Sarah, I understand you're across the background of this crisis. Do you want to just fill us in a bit on that? Yeah, so basically this drought has been called by many the worst drought in Mm -hmm. living memory. 100% of New South Wales is in drought at the moment. Uh, In some areas, dam levels are down to 10%. Last week, uh, we reported on the show that South Australia had literally run out of hay. There was no more hay available for sale. We did then get some good news on last Saturday. I'm sure many of you saw the uh, video that was widely shared on Facebook (laughs) of a farmer in Dubbo. There was some rain and he just stripped off all his clothes and ran into the paddock screaming for joy because he was so excited to finally have some rain. He's just... (laughs) That's so lovely. Through these fields. It was just a really lovely, happy video. But as much as we all wish that one day of rain could solve this crisis, it's not going to. And Mm -hmm. it didn't rain in all drought affected areas. So still very much in drought. Um, And unfortunately, we do have some bad news that the latest Bureau of Meteorology climate outlook is not looking good. Senior climatologist Robin Jewell said that unfortunately for those that are having a close eye on rainfall, it does look likely that we're going to see a drier than usual spring. So basically, it's going to compound the already dry conditions that we've been experiencing across eastern Australia. Yeah, definitely. And also, 
Dr Andrew Watkins has also said that we might have to wait until as late as autumn in 2019 to get some of this recovery rain in drought areas. Yeah, so that's also from the Bureau of Meteorology report. And the issue with this is it's not just... Obviously, the issue that we're all very aware of with the drought is that farmers are unable to feed their livestock, they're unable to water their crops. But not only is that the issue, there is also the issue of safety in that with it being so dry, we are seeing bushfires earlier than we normally would. We are Mm -hmm. seeing bushfires in August, which is really quite scary. We all know the devastating impact that bushfires can have. And the, the drought, the stories that are coming out of these rural regions are really quite horrific. We're having the ABC is reporting that uh, the RSPCA is responding to calls for farmers where they're having to call RSPCA and ask them for help to euthanise their animals because they're simply too weak to get to the market. We're having farms that are forced to shoot or to sell their livestock and as so a result That's so mm, sad. we're seeing uh, in the Hunter region that the total listings for 2018 have doubled. That report is from the ABC there. So really these conditions are just horrible and the government has pledged some money. They have pledged $1.8 billion in drought relief, drought relief Sorry. But many are saying that it is too little, too late, that action needed to be taken sooner. So if you would like to help, if you would like to add a bit to that $1.8 billion, uh, please give what you can give generously. Uh, I have a list here of charities that we do know that the money, if you give money here, the money will go to farmers. So we have the Australian Red Cross, Rural Aid slash Buyer Bail, uh, Drought Angels, Aussie Helpers, Lions Need for Feed, the Foundation for Rural and Regional Renewal and Salvation Army. I know with students, we don't have a lot of money, but if you can just, you know, sacrifice your daily coffee, few dollars to the farmers, every little bit counts. And if you specifically want to help with the issue of water allocation in New South Wales Murray Valley, you can go to the Speak Up for for Water website, www.speakupforwater.com. Scroll down and have a look at their open letter to all Australians. Click on the letter, download the letter. Hopefully you can understand this dire situation these farmers are in and send it to your local MP because they want government action and right now there is none. There is no response from the government and time is running out. They've said if there is no water on crops within the next week, it will be too late. So by tomorrow, really try to send that letter in because they're hoping to get that water allocation as soon as they can. So now we just wanted to have a bit of a chat about the disrespect of women in tennis. So the latest is that tennis fans are accusing the US Open of sexism after an umpire-issued French player Alizé Cornet a code of violation for taking her top off briefly on the court. So basically, Cornet took a mandatory break, heat break off the court, and she returned, realised her top was on backwards and... Or been there. As yeah, you do. Exactly. Normal thing happened. She took it off and then put it on the right way, exposing her sports literally for a few seconds. From the back as well, yeah, not even from the exactly. front. Exactly. And an umpire then deemed it inappropriate and issued her a code of violation. Frankly, it, this makes me really mad because, firstly, like, it shouldn't matter because men do not get a violation for changing their exactly. shirts. Exactly. And they do so all the time. That. And to imply to only if this violation was on both men and women, I wouldn't care, whatever. It's like I don't have a problem with the Wimbledon rule where men and women must wear white. Mm-hmm. It's applied mm-hmm. to all players. It's a rule going back forever. It's tradition, etc. Fine. But with this, to say that, no, it's fine for men to change their tops, but it's not fine for women, 
It's just sexualizing women. There is nothing wrong with her exposing her sports bra. Go into any gym, any sports area, and every woman is wearing a sports bra. It's what you wear to work out. There's nothing sexual about it. And to suggest that it's improper for her to show off hers when men can walk around without a top on. At all, it yeah. It sends the complete wrong message um, to young girls, and I was frankly very disappointed. Yeah, well, look, the US Open have released a statement today saying that they regret the decision of the code of violation to Alizé, and they have clarified the policy to ensure this will not be happening moving forward. Yeah, I'm really glad they've clarified that. I think that's really great that they've apologised um, because it's sometimes you get people where people just refuse to apologise, so mm. I admire them for apologising, but I really would appreciate... If it just would have been better if they hadn't needed to, to apologise in the first place. Exactly. And this is this is the second incident where women haven't been respected in sport. You know, the legendary Serena Williams. Have you guys seen the black cat suit that she wore yes, during the French sure Open? It's yes. a bit of a classic Serena outfit. So the French Tennis Federation has actually said she will no longer be allowed to wear it going forth. But she said that she does have a good relationship with French officials and this, you know, it doesn't upset her too much. But between that and the Cornet penalty, it's pretty fair to say that female players are quite upset about this. Well, I think I think even if um, Serena herself isn't personally upset, I think that it's I still think that it's wrong yes. that uh, they have come out and said that she's not allowed to wear this cat suit. Firstly, this is the most important point. She wears this cat suit for a medical reason, is to prevent blood clots, which are a very serious problem. Really serious with athlete professional athletes, and so firstly to say she's not allowed to wear that. Um, Okay, do you not care about her health? Secondly, why are we talking about what Serena Williams is wearing? How successful is this girl? Like, she honestly, is phenomenal. one of the best female tennis players ever. She's certainly the greatest female tennis mm. player at the moment. She's a queen. There is, <laughs> there is nobody like her. We should be talking about her talent, and I frankly think that it's disrespectful that we're here talking about what she's wearing. We're never doing this with male tennis players, like, are they getting... Are they being told that they're not allowed to wear compression garments for their blood clots? No. So why are we focusing on what she's wearing? It just completely sends the wrong message. Mm. It's not about what women wear, it's what they do. You guys will love this, though. (laughs) A couple of days ago, she actually wore a black tutu on court. I I love her. She is a queen. If you're listening, Serena Williams, I love you. Oh, my God, send us a tweet at (laughs) S-I-N if you are. And she won her match, so it just proves... Exactly. It doesn't matter what (laughs) she's wearing. Wear it proud, girls. Yeah, so let's... I think we'll end the segment on that. Let's not end it on what Serena Williams was wearing. Let's end it on the fact that she won her match like she pretty much always does. So shout out to Serena Williams there. You're listening to The Weekly Wrap on Sin 90.7 with myself, Sarah Booth, Celine Farrah and Bethany Hayes. And now we're going to have a bit of a change of tone. We've been talking about some of the more serious current affairs issues of the week and we're going to give both ourselves and our lovely listeners a bit of a break and move on to some lighthearted topics with one of our favourite segments here at The Weekly Wrap, really. It's time for some hot or not. Yay! I love that so much. It's my favourite segment. Same. So same, we're going to be going through some of the things that have been happening in the week and basically just giving you our unfiltered opinions on them. So to kick things off, I have the AFL ticketing chaos. Hot or not, girls? Definitely not. not. Big not. Big not. What, yeah, what exactly happened in this? So basically there was just huge chaos with the 
uh, ticketing. I believe it was Ticketek. I'm pretty sure pretty it was. Pretty sure yep. it was Ticketek, yep. but I might be wrong, so don't sue me if I am. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I'm very poor. I can't afford to be sued. Um, and basically just, yeah, like, as always happened whenever there's a huge demand for tickets and mm-hmm. they had to stop, they kind of had to shut down the site, stop selling them. And it's just, this happens every time. Like, I'm it's always so notorious. shocked. Because it's like, they're like, oh, due to, there was a high demand. Of course there was. What, what were you do expecting? You expect? <laughs> so I just don't know how we're still continually having that. And so I definitely did say Did they not. issue an apology? Because I, if I remember, I don't think Ticketek even said sorry for it. Yeah, I know. I know the AFL has issued yeah. an apology, but I'm yeah. not sure about Ticketek. Now, what about you, Celine? What give give us something to judge from this? So, week? guys, the breaking up of the last remaining Bachelor in Paradise couple, Kira and Jared. What do we think of that? Hot or not? Oh, I'm gonna say a definite not here. I was hanging out. I thought they were like very, very tight. I, I thought shocked. they were made Did for each other. Uh, yeah, I was shocked. I, to be honest, I guess I wasn't shocked because they had a very on again, off again relationship in Paradise, that as I'm sure true. you remember. Um, but I just say not because I'm just. I, for anyone who doesn't know, I am a huge Bachelor fan and it's breaking my heart to see all these breakups because oh. I'm like, what am I investing in? Is this not real love? You've, you've, you've told what's me the whole show what's then? The, what's the point of the show? What's the point of I this show? I watch Bachelor in Paradise to see people find like their life partners, not their partners exactly. for a few months. Not their partners for five minutes anyway. What about public transport messing up your day by cancelling <sighs> a train? Let me guess this happened to you this week. Literally yesterday, messed up all my appointments. I am saying a firm not. My line is hot like all cancelled right now so really? oh. I'm hey, over TV, it I'm over if you're it you're listening lift your game that is the message from the weekly wrap we have here. to get places come on <laughs> on on the subject of of trains super exciting uh, what about the regional loop guys hot or not now, correct me if I'm wrong, is that taking 30 years to be built? <laughs> yes, Bethany, it is taking oh 30 years. How crazy. We old people. <laughs> how crazy is I know, that? I know, we almost been in our 50s. Oh, my Lord. That is scary. So what are the benefits of this loop? Well, basically, we're just going to have, like, a whole new train line that kind of goes in, like, a circle around outer Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So, like, how we've got the city loop, just picture that but much bigger, and it's going to be linking all your major train lines, like your Frankston and your... Heidelbergs, and I really just know the two train okay. lines that I catch. So it sounds good, but 30 years. I know, yeah. I would. I, I personally am a fan because I think it's great to see a government show initiative and building long-term projects for the future, but 30 years is quite a long time, yes. and I would like if it could be a little bit quicker. Please. Yeah, yeah. and guys, this is a, a potentially controversial one. Okay, oh no. flashback to Australian Idol season one. Okay. <laughs> Guy Sebastian is the winner. There's a little bit of an uproar. A little <laughs> bit of an uproar. <laughs> That's an understatement. Shannon it's still happening now. <laughs> it's actually still so relevant. Now, I was listening to Guy Sebastian, all his old tunes from before, and I actually <laughs> believe... Maybe Shannon Noll wasn't robbed and maybe Guy Sebastian was the rightful winner. Hold on. Um, sorry, what? <laughs> Guy's like, Guy, Guy, Guy Sebastian uh, is really good. And he's got so many successes. But you just can't say that Nolsey wasn't yeah. robbed. It's part of who we are as Australians. I don't know if I can agree with you on that one, Beth. I think um, actually breaking from news, YouTube? Bethany oh. has just announced her resignation from the <laughs> weekly wrap. See you guys. <laughs> me and Guy Sebastian are going to go off somewhere. Oh, really? Yeah, um, yeah no, I'm going to have to say not for that one, Another Bethany. Another bizarre thing. <laughs> have you guys seen this implant-style jewellery? So I'll just give you the <gasps> yes. rundown. I'll give you the rundown. Kim Kardashian and Chrissy Teigen took to Instagram Ooh. and showcased this new accessory on their skin. So 
it's kind of like, I don't even know how to explain it, like art on their skin, but 3D. Oh, I see that. And it's made to look like, because there are some people who get, I guess, I don't know if it's plastic or whatever, but to kind of visualise it. Imagine if you had something placed under your skin Mm -hmm. so that you can see the outline of it and you can see the pattern. And this jewellery is meant to look like that, but you haven't actually got it under your skin. Is that that what you're talking about? Yes. Kim Kardashian's choker literally synced with her heartbeat. So every time, (gasps) yeah, so every time it would light up. That's just weird. And Chrissy Teigen had like these massive wings on her chest, like 3D wings. So thinking with your heartbeat, like just leave that to the uh, air. We don't need it in fashion. Guys, if you have a chance, go check it out because it is pretty creepy, I think. I don't think I've said hot to a single thing today. (laughs) Everything is a nod. Yeah, I think that all of that is a bit crazy. And uh, I think I think that brings us to the end of Hot or Not. You are listening to the weekly wrap on Sin 90.7 with myself, Sarah Booth, Bethany Hayes and Celine Farah. Now, this week, my uh, my dad came home um, and he goes, I've got a book for you. <laughs> and he slaps down uh, the Barefoot Investors guide on the table in front of me by uh, Scott Hay. It's basically like, it's got to be for cult following. It's basically this book all about finance and money. Oh um, gosh. And he My was just like, it. <laughs> literally this guy's got a cult following. Like it's, it's, it's billed as the only money guide you'll ever need. Okay. So it's just all about, you know, how to deal with mortgages, what bank accounts to have, how to spend your money, how to budget, da, 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 da. Um, and my dad's like, you need to learn about money. This is for you. And then me and my dad were talking and I actually thought it was like, I guess kind of a good point what we were saying is that like my dad shouldn't have to go out and buy that for me because I really should have been taught that in school. Yeah, that is so true. And it's something that we're not taught in school. Exactly. Finance is so neglected. Like I'm not talking about you do finance in maths and stuff. Yeah, like we did learn about mortgages and all of that, but it kind of stressed me out because it was all for an exam or a test. I it really, wasn't real life situation. Exactly. We really needed. I if I was designing a school curriculum, you need to have some real life skills in there, and you really need to have just financial common sense. Because I have graduated. I have from high school. I have completed the Victorian Institute of Education, and I have done that not really understanding how mortgages work, not really knowing the different um, bank accounts and, the I guess, the different fees. I do not understand superannuation. We super are in annuation. second year of I uni. I no still don't idea. know about that, to be exactly. honest. Exactly. And it's like, I should, because these are the, the decisions that you make now as a young person. They're going to set you up financially for the rest of your life. And if you have good, smart money habits you are going to be set. And with, you know, financial uncertainty with the labour market much more casualised and it being increasingly harder to find, like, permanent, full-time, stable employment, it's really important that young people have a good understanding of money. But I just feel like in school, like, obviously you have all your English and your maths and you learn all that, but in terms of kind of other stuff, all we learnt about was cyber security. Exactly. Do you guys think there's anything else we should have been taught in school? Definitely. I, I think there's actually so many things that we're not taught about. What about, you know, mental health awareness, being aware that, you know, we've got so much more to us than our physical health. I just so feel like true. they just tip the iceberg with that one. They, you know, give us places to seek help, but they don't talk about symptoms. They don't talk about how you're feeling, how it's important to talk to people. Exactly. Like we did, I, I remember we did do a unit on mental health, but I felt it was very much just learning facts. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, this is depression. This is anxiety. And then we we just learnt like the percentage of people who have it. And I was like, how does this help me 
deal with if I have a friend who is going through that? How does that help me deal with the emotions that I'm going through? There was no talk about what to do in situations where you have a friend who maybe isn't safe, isn't well. There was none of that. And I really think that we would have been better served off by our schools if they taught us a bit more, I guess, kind of practical stuff. So I guess that's our message from us here at the Weekly Wrap. Now a segment I'm very excited for. Bethany has a very exciting, is it a book? It is a book. A book to review for us all. Take I away, love Bethany. Reviews. Guys, I'm so excited because this is one of my favourite books ever. It's called Finding Paris and it's by Hedley Dorenzi. Basically, I bought this book at an airport bookshop, as you do when you need something to do for the <laughs> flight, and I read the whole thing in the two-hour flight home oh from my Musa. Gosh, it, good. it was good. Let me tell you a little bit about it. So basically, it's non-fiction. It's kind of a memoir of sorts. And Henley Dorenzi is the author, and she has a string of failed relationships. Basically, she has a list of not very nice men that she spent a lot of time with, and frankly, she's done with it. She's done with her current life. Good on her. I feel you. And not. nothing's enough. <laughs> Celine, I think you yes. want to open up about Celine. <laughs> Let's keep going. She's done with Move it. it on. And you know what? She's going to Paris because, like, yeah, not. She reads a book and she's like, stuff it. I'm- Can I just say, what is with this thing where people get really sick of their lives and then have the money to up and move to Paris? I know. That is, that is so not realistic. I know. Oh, I would love it so much. Like, if. Or also, if anyone wants to buy me a ticket to Paris, tweet me at Weekly Rap SYN because I would love that. Like, if I have a bad day, I just, like, up and go to Macca's. Like, I'm to Paris. <laughs> Paris. Anyway, so when Headley arrives in Paris, things aren't exactly as perfect as the city of love promises. She's got no luggage. She's sick from the flight. She missed her connecting flight. Idiot. <laughs> in a tiny room with no water. So... Things aren't exactly great. And she realises one thing. In her string of failed relationships, they all have one common denominator, and that's her. So maybe these aren't all such bad men. Maybe she's got some stuff to work out for herself. And initially she does describe her life as a little bit of a mess. She lets men dictate her own self-worth. Oh, poor thing. I know. My heart breaks for her. But she writes with conviction that she's actually a love addict. She, her whole self-worth is determined by what these men think of her. And basically, it's a bit of realisation and it's a lot of heartbreak and it's a lot of optimism even. That's a bit toxic almost. I know. And... I feel like that's very, though, common in today. Like, I feel like that's something that's so with society where this idea that you are determined, like you were kind of saying the point about being, like, determined by, like, the men who love you or something. Exactly. Like, her whole self-worth is what these men think of her. Exactly. Self-worth. Exactly. And I just feel like, like, I am so sick of, like, hashtag relationship goals on Instagram, okay? What is that? Because... A relationship is not a goal. Every single relationship is individual and unique. And it it's is. about the two people in that relationship. It's not about being goals to every other single person out there. It's but, about being the best that you two can be. But even this whole thing on Instagram, how do we know what's actually happening? Exactly. exactly. You take a smiling photo two seconds later, you could be arguing, oh, you're always on Instagram. You know what I mean? And like, all these couples suddenly break up, whereas on Instagram they're so goals. Exactly. And then next week they're breaking yeah, up. Like, it's like when I mean? you find out people broke up and you're like, we what? could go on Instagram. Instagram, you were all over each other. Exactly. No, the signs. We were just talking about this earlier. Jared and Kira, I did not see the I signs know. coming. I exactly. know. So I just feel like social media just portrays this like really toxic idea that you're incomplete without a relationship, and that's where this whole idea that your self worth is based on if somebody loves you or not. Like you gotta love yourself. Exactly. 100%. I think you've nailed that there. And you know what? Finding Paris isn't about finding love at all. It's about finding you and how you can be pretty much perfect without a man, just by yourself. I love that. 
you are listening to the weekly wrap on Sin 90.7 and unfortunately we have come to the end of our show, guys. I'm very upset. It goes so fast every week. It does, it does. But it's definitely one of the best hours of the week. So if you liked what you heard, please check out our socials. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of that. And you can also check out our podcast. Our podcast will be up on the SIN website. So if you're wanting a little bit more of weekly wrap to get you through your week or you missed the start of the episode, please tune in there. But until next time, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to a SIN media podcast. Previously heard live on SIN 90.7.